You're listening to the Row Dental Podcast. For more information on the topics covered in this podcast, please visit our website at www.rodentallab.com. To speak with an expert, you can email us at info at rodentallab.com or give us a call at 800-228-6663. Stay informed on the latest dental news by subscribing to the Row Dental Podcast feed on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. I'd like to welcome everybody to today's webinar. My name is Elvis Dahl. We're going to talk about stud attachments and overdenture bars. Um, I've been with Preet for a little over a year and a half, but I'm actually from a lab. For 13 years, I worked in a full-service lab dealing with stud attachments and overdenture cases. Uh, today, we're going to talk about all the attachments that Preet has to offer, but we're also going to talk about how Roe is able to service them. They've been doing it for a long time, and we're a great partnership. So let's begin. So first of all, I'd like to kind of talk about why Preet. Why is Preet a company that you want to work with? Because over the years, for over 40 years, Preet has tested their parts. We have proven that our parts work. We go through a lot of testing with our parts to make sure they're all cleared with all the agencies and that they are the parts that are going to fit your patient. Customer service is also huge with our company. We have a lot of people at, at our at our facility to handle all of your customer service calls, technical, and just finding out the right part and part number. Support and education is huge. The whole reason I really kind of started working for Preet was the fact that they believe in sales through education. And just something like this, or at a local trade show, or at your clinical office, we like to come in and kind of educate the whole team on what is the best way to, to treatment plan. And treatment planning, like I just mentioned. That's what we're big on. Now, you might use Roe for your treatment planning, but Roe might use Preet because we have so many years of expertise on it. But today, we're going to touch upon a couple of studs at the bar. So stud attachments um, are very common in our industry. And there's a lot of different types. And there's different reasons why you would use each one. So we're going to touch upon all the ones you see here. So this is probably the most underused um, kind of form that in our industry. It's really simple, but it's really what's gonna help a patient determine what sort of outcome they would like. And it's real simple. It's you have all your teeth, your chewing capacity is at 100. You don't have any of your teeth, your chewing capacity is at zero. What most people don't understand is if you get a regular conventional denture with no stud attachments, you're only looking at about 10 to 30% of your chewing capacities back. Now, what we're going to talk about today is going to be at your 60%. And then your implant born bridge, and those are your hybrids or your fixed cases, that's going to get you up to 90% chewing capacity. But I mean, think about it. A 90% is maybe more ideal for a patient, but a lot more comes with it. It's usually a more expensive restoration towards the patient. It usually needs more uh, vertical clearance, which usually turns into more bone reduction. Sometimes you need more implants to, able to handle the fixed, process, the fixed restoration. And it also takes a little bit more um, care and dexterity and hygiene to keep them clean. The 60% is what we're gonna talk about today. 
that's gonna be your most common. It's, it's more affordable and more patients are able to take on that restoration. But not all overdenture cases are the same. So when you see a patient, there's a lot of things you gotta look at when deciding what sort of stud attachment to do. So, I mean, obviously, if the implant's already placed, uh, you're looking at the angle of that implant, the divergency, which is the distance of angle between two implants. What type of implant is it? And how deep are those implants? All those kind of play into what type of stud attachment you're gonna use. But also the patient itself. A lot of these uh, attachments rely still on the ridge in order for stability. What's the dexterity of that patient? You know, if you use too many stud attachments on a 90-year-old woman uh, that, you know, doesn't have great dexterity, you're maybe doing more of a disservice than you are a service. Vertical clearance, if implants are placed, there's only so much you can open up a bite. Facial features, maybe the patient has been a dentalist for a long time and their bone has started to resorb and they need that support back into their, with the acrylic. Bone quality, a lot of that is determined when they place implants, but there are actually some attachments that are more friendly to implants that aren't in good bone. And then of course the cost, some are less expensive than others. But then it also comes down to you, the dentist. What's your skill level? What's your confidence in doing these type of cases? I've worked with a lot of dentists over the years and some of them can handle a locator case, no problem, willing to pick them up chair side, doesn't even think about it. And then I've also worked with a lot that don't wanna pick it up chair side for fear of locking that, uh, that housing into the, into the implant. But a lot of these things come into play. Also the shape, you know, this is just a joke, but you're dealing with a lot of different shapes and arches. And uh, I, I jokingly say that it's a toothagon because that's what we're gonna be dealing with here is edentulous patients. Stud attachments, what are they and what are their advantages? Uh, you know, you could read through this list, but your biggest ones are, it helps retain. They're not fixed. It just helps retain it into the mouth. They're not always abutment supported. A lot of these still rely on the tissue uh, to, to find the support. The independent servicing is huge. So we're gonna talk a lot about locator, which is the most popular, and independent servicing really just means that that patient can go from one practice to the other and still get it serviced. Um, it's cost effective and some of the simplest procedures to retain. There are some disadvantages, we'll talk about them, but the biggest ones are path of insertion and you can't have any undercuts. So we're gonna talk about the locator. Um, it is the most popular attachment out there. I call it the Kleenex of attachments. Uh, so many times clinicians just ask for locator not really knowing that there's anything else out there. So we're gonna start off with locator. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great attachment. It's one of the, it, it has one of the lowest profiles. It's only 2.73 millimeters tall. That includes the abutment the insert, and the housing. There's eight different retention levels, and it, it, it handles up to 40 degrees of divergency. That doesn't mean an implant that's 40 degrees off from the other implant. That's the combination of two implants, one being 20, the other one being 20, 30 and 10, it equals 40, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, locators come up to six millimeter tall cuff heights. I actually had a lab reach out to me 
and the doctor asked for a locator, but the implant was seven millimeters deep, you just can't do it. They don't make them that tall. So you're limited. I mean, six millimeters is still pretty deep for an implant, but you do run into those cases. So you get them up to six millimeters tall cuff height. I wanna stop real quick and talk about what exactly is a cuff height. A lot of people don't realize, but what that is is that's the measurement from the very top of the implant or the analog if you're working in a model, but from the very top of the implant to the highest point of the soft tissue. Now, if you measure that, uh, Zest, who makes the locator, is gonna automatically add that 1.5 millimeters that is actually needed above the soft tissue to retain the housing and the nylon. So if you measure for a five, don't round up to a six or a seven thinking you need that much above the soft tissue. Just get the, the, the closest measurement rounding up of the soft tissue and Zest is gonna add that 1.5. Now a lot of clinicians love to measure with a perio probe uh, intraorally. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but keep it in mind that you have to measure from the very top of that implant. So if you're using a perio probe, and here's an example of an external hex, if you drop that perio probe in and it goes farther down than that outer ridge and hits that internal hex, now you're measuring four millimeters instead of what should be two millimeters. And by the time you get that locator in, it's gonna be two millimeters too tall, and now you're taking up valuable uh, vertical clearance. Same thing with an external hex. Um, you wanna measure from the top of that external hex, not the ridge outside. Same thing, you're gonna end up with a, a locator that's one millimeter too tall. We always say, measure once, order once. I can't tell you how many uh, locators I mismeasured over my career just by not using the correct part. And that's why I'd like to talk about uh, real quick, the Preet cuff height and inclination measuring tool. This thing's nice. If you see, it kind of bottoms out on the bottom. So it's not gonna go any farther inside of an implant. These can be used intraorally. Um, so it's gonna stop. It won't allow you to get any farther than the top. There's a narrow and then there's a wide, depending on which implant um, diameter you're doing. But you just drop it in. This is obviously on a model, but this same thing works intraorally. And you notice that the two soft tissues, there's different heights on either side. You wanna make sure you measure from the tallest part. So this one's looking like it's measuring a four. I think I can see a five behind there. This is measuring a four. So you're gonna to wanna to order a four. And like I said, Zest is gonna add that additional height to it. Um, the bar on it is to check out your degrees of divergency. So if you put a guide pin or anything in another implant on that same arch, line up that pin and you're gonna see it's 30 degrees, which locator can still handle. Um, this is basically your locator that has the nylon insert and the housing on top. I like to show this because every stud attachment we're gonna talk about today all follow the same premise. The same idea is you have an abutment and then a nylon insert in that housing. That nylon insert is meant to wear out. It is the point that takes all your forces. So as that nylon wears out, what you're doing is you're saving that abutment, you're saving that implant, you're also saving that housing, and you're saving the restoration on top. You want the nylon to wear out. 
interesting enough, it's the housing that pivots around that nylon. So any damage you're seeing to the underside of that nylon, that's usually from inserting it and taking it out. All the, the movement and the forces and the biting are gonna happen between the nylon and the housing. But you want that nylon to wear out, because what's your option? If, you're, if the nylons don't wear out, now you're replacing the abutment more often. And it's a difference between $130 and $8. Because we all know patients don't stick to the diet that they should. They're eating as if they have 100% capacity when they only have 60. There's also an issue I see a lot is too many implants and too many stud attachments. Too much is not always a good thing. Now, this is a palletless uh, upper denture, so the extra locators might have been a good idea. But if you look at it closely, you'll see a repair done. You'll see one of the nylons is bent in. Uh, you'll see one of the housings kind of been chipped. That's because getting all that lined up and all, the patient putting it in at a path of insertion at a good angle, that's gonna be tough to do. So this kind of case, I probably only would have done four and put the two in the middle, uh, not engage them. You can still get a locator abutment for them in case one of the other ones fails, but I don't think I would have engaged all of these on standard retention. Plus, know your patient. Is it an 80-year-old lady that doesn't have good dexterity? You're gonna do her a big disservice having to get this in and out. Because you know, is six a lot? It depends. But on locators, usually per arch, Usually it's a lot. So all attachments, the greatest pickup line ever is uh, how you wanna pick them up intraorally. We sell a uh, product called Permablock. It's really great. A lot of people use some sort of wax or epoxy to kind of block out. Cause the whole idea is you don't want any of your cold cure acrylic to get up under that housing and hit that, uh, that abutment. If it gets onto that abutment, that's a bad day. You're most, like, most likely having to cut that denture off to get it out. Uh, Permablock is a single-use syringe that gets up around it, and it only kind of adheres to itself. So it's easy to clean up. It has no weird taste. Um, it doesn't leave any residue. It's really great for picking up attachments. So putting down some underneath the housing, you're gonna to wanna to ream out the holes of that denture. The holes in this denture that I show, I hate this picture because those holes are way too big. If you think about it, you gotta fill all that area in with your cold cure acrylic. So and we're gonna talk about it here in a minute, but those holes are way too big for the actual, what you need it for. Add some lingual escapes vents. So those are just small holes that are in the lingual that as you push that denture down with that chair side cold cure acrylic that we carry at Preet, that material is gonna go out and back rather than down towards the attachment. You don't want it to go towards the abutment. You want it to go up and out. So you want those escape vents to kind of push it out. Uh, I've seen a big trend of people starting to put those on the buckle side, because no matter how much you polish and finish, you're still gonna have that difference of acrylic right there and the patient's tongue will play with it forever. So a lot of people have started putting those on the buckle of that. But that chair side cold cure acrylic, that's what you need in order to pick these things up chair side. Now, a lot of people don't wanna pick it up chair side like I mentioned earlier. There's nothing wrong with having the lab process those housings in there. 
If you do it, I recommend using these impression copings. These are basically, uh, I call them upside down wine glasses because that's what they look like, but they're gonna snap on to the locators and then that extra ridge is gonna allow for the impression material to grab it. So you have a patient present itself with four wonderfully placed locators. How often does this happen? And these things just snap on. They're really easy. There's not a lot of retention. And then you would still block out underneath a little bit. You don't need as much as if you're doing cold cure because it's just impression material. But the key is, is you're gonna wanna use medium or heavy body impression material. A lot of people wanna use light body around anything that you're trying to get detail of but you don't need the detail. All you need is a rigid uh, impression material to hold this in place. Pop on some analogs, and then the lab can pour up a model. Now you can actually use the metal housings to pick up an impression. They do work, but keep in mind when you take that impression and you pull the impression out of the patient's mouth, most likely those housings are gonna stay on the abutments. You'll need to send those into the lab with it. Now, you're now a human is required to put those housings back into the impression and hopefully they get them in right. It can be done, but there's just more chance for error. I always recommend the impression copings, the upside down wine glass. Now, this is probably the most underused part um, of the locator process. All this is is the processing spacer is a plastic circle. That's all it is, but it gives you the exact dimension that you need in order to minimize the amount of uh, cold cure acrylic you're gonna use. So those big holes I showed you earlier, they should have only been the size of this uh, plastic ring. Keep a few of them with you so you can always reference how big of an area you need, or even if you're doing a setup and the lab asks you to kind of clean out the area for the, um, for the abutment and the housing, you can use one of these to get your reference. The locators come with uh, either a standard, which is uh, the top one there that has the three different colors. What it has is, and I call it the nipple in the middle, that actually engages the internal part of the, um, of the abutment. Uh, they also have the extended range. So they get rid of that nipple, and now that nylon can slide that much more on the abutment to go from 20 degrees to 30 degrees to 40 degrees of divergency that it can handle. So the extended range are used for more divergency, but it has a little less retention. And they come in different colors. Usually when you start a case, uh, the pink, they call that the medium retention. That's kind of where you start. Um, as you find the patient it's too retentive or not retentive enough, then you change the different colors and kind of go through until you find the ones that work. Now, over time, even though you can change nylons over and over and over, eventually the abutments start to wear. And I'm gonna show you some pictures of some worn abutments, but your last resort is the purple. The purple came out a couple years ago. It's eight pounds of retention. So if you have a locator case and none of the nylons are working, try a purple. Most likely that's gonna hold it into place. If purple is not working, then you should start talking about replacing the abutment. Locator has a great tool. It's a one-piece shot. It's got uh, everything you need to service all your cases. So you got a piece that removes the insert. You got the, a part that seats the insert. And then on the very end, the abutment driver will actually engage the abutment so you can screw it in. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but inside that gold part, down inside is an 050 hex. 
So you can actually use your uh, torque wrench and driver, use an 050, which is very common. And now you can torque the locator abutment into place using that part. Great tool to have, very simple. If you ever need to, if you ever do a chair side pickup and you, it doesn't engage, you didn't do it right, it didn't line up right, and you wanna move one of them, uh, a lot of people sit there and they grind out around that housing. They look at it and they, 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 they sit there and they chip around on it and you have a chance of damaging the housing. Get yourself a cheap soldering iron, just heat it up. If you heat up that housing, it's gonna come out beautifully. And then you can make the area you need and then try doing a chair side pickup again. Also on that tool, there's a part they don't even talk about, but on the, uh, the part that has the threads, actually the housing fits on there. So it's a lot easier to handle. Sometimes these little pieces can be hard to get into the spots. Please be aware. So over the years, other companies have come out that want to kind of reinvent the locator. And their idea is they're gonna make a quote unquote nylon insert that's gonna last longer. They're made out of peak, pectin, all sorts of materials. And the whole idea is great, now the patient doesn't have to replace the nylons as often. Okay, now you have a patient that doesn't come back every six months because they need new inserts. So you're doing a disservice to the patient there. But those inserts, because the whole idea of a stud attachment is those inserts take the force, now you're just transferring those forces. So what's happening is, is we're seeing a lot more failure uh, with these type of uh, inserts. So that the force that the nylon used to take is now being transferred down into the abutment, into the implant. You're seeing more dentures break. You're seeing more wear and tear on the actual uh, the abutment. Um, it's, while it seems like a good idea, you're doing more of a disservice long-term. Uh, a couple of troubleshootings that we see with locators. So we take a lot of technical questions. So some of the ones we, we get a lot are, you know, every time a patient takes the denture out, those inserts are coming out with it. Switch over to the extended range. Usually that just means the implants are too divergent, they're grabbing the ends and it's pulling them out of the housings. Try switching to extended. Uh, another one is, hey, I just made a new denture. I just got it in from the lab or whatever, and I try to seat it and it's not engaging. Make sure the soft tissue is not up around uh, the area that it's supposed to retain. It's gotta be 1.5 millimeters above. Um, again, if that is a thing, try getting some of these impression copings and snap them on each abutment. If you snap them on and they clearly snap on fine, then that's not the issue. If you find one that's being held up, maybe that's an issue. Uh, an older one, an abutment, uh, denture is not seating. Look inside the actual abutment. The locator has a pretty wide area inside, and if a patient ever spends a lot of time not wearing their denture, a lot of crud can build up in that. It's happened a lot. I get, you know, it's not seating, it's not seating. Check the inside, oh, it's full of calculus or buildup or whatever. Yep, clean it out. Most likely it will seat right in. This is a worn locator abutment. So they have a kind of a gold coating that over time, it's gonna, it's gonna come off. It's gonna start wearing. If you see silver, then most likely there's something off. And I'll talk about that in a minute, but usually it's 
patient not putting it in directly. That's when you're gonna look and try that, that purple insert. If that purple still works, great. If not, you're gonna have to replace that, uh, that abutment. And when in doubt, check for a reline. A lot of the times, uh, even though they have implants, soft tissue is gonna move, uh, bone's gonna resorb, and it's gonna be time for a reline. So when in doubt, always try a reline. Thanks for listening to the latest from the Row Dental Podcast. For more information about the topics covered in today's episode, visit our website at www.rodentallab.com. To keep up to date with Row Dental Laboratory, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Stay informed on the latest dental news by subscribing to the Row Dental Podcast feed on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts.